Oh, Ole's relentless reds, Mark John Ed. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Yeah, the Klausura just Championship. About. <laughs> the, yeah, the Klausura Championship one step closer to being achieved. It's a thing, it's a thing. If, if Mourinho can hold up three fingers and claim that we got three <laughs> trophies that year, then yes, we're, we're on the verge of the Klaus era. Two, two victories guarantees our win. I think we should lift the trophy. So, we, 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 we should, we should, we'll do the Zoom call, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's, uh, this is the morning after, we should say, we're recording this um, on the morning after we've just beaten Crystal Palace 2-0. Uh, a a laboured performance capped off by moments of what can only be described as absolutely scintillating brilliance from Marcus Rashford. <laughs> Hashtag word of the week, mm-hmm. every week. Yes, I mean, just just some stunning stuff. Uh, the combinations between Rashford, Martial, Fernandez, and Pogba, it's just beautiful to watch. Mason had a really quiet game, difficult mm-hmm. game, second one in a row, I'd say. He couldn't really... Uh, he tried, but he couldn't really impose himself on the game at all. But Rashford running at players, Martial, uh, Bruno finding the passes, sometimes I've got some thoughts on that. Uh, Pogba playing... Uh, in his France role, extremely disciplined in midfield. Some of it was beautiful to watch, but, you know, th- this team looks tired. You can you can tell that was the fifth game in 17 days. That's a, It's a lot. It's a lot. And it produced a performance that, you know, just didn't have the energy. And Crystal Palace, they've got nothing to play for, but they were playing for something last night. I thought they, they tried harder than you'd expect for a team that's um, two games away from its summer holidays and, and about to get a new manager. Well, I mean, this is what I was sort of saying on the preview, that you look at their results and you go, oh, they've been on the beach since lockdown started. But but having seen a lot of them, they just haven't. They have they have been playing their socks off in all of these games, most of which they've lost. Um, and you can see why, because they're kind of unable to take the chances that, or, or even in a lot of cases create the chances um and so yeah it's 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 not going well for them but they're, they're working hard and you were sort of saying they're not going to press much but they did a lot they didn't do a lot of kind of tigerish hunting in packs pressing but they did a lot of closing down united as soon as they got into um palace's half you know that the, there was no time on the ball for our you know tricky reds uh, a lot of the time that there, there were there were being harried Sure, um, yeah. This this wasn't gig impression, but it it oh. was uh, it was more traditional in inside Palace's half and trying win the ball back and try and use their pace on the the break because in Sahar and IU they've got a couple of very direct players who are, are quick, willing to shoot. Um, as we saw with Sahar early on, and they've made the save very crucial pretty early in the game. Um, they they did that pretty effectively at times, um, Palace. That said, and there were some uncomfortable moments, right? That that said, United were always essentially controlling the game or, you know, the pattern of the game. They, did, they were never under pressure, not in the way that Southampton put United under pressure in their last game. Uh, Palace had moments, but they weren't controlling the pattern of this game. It, for me, two, two things happened. One was it looked like a very tired side, uh, and I think that, you know, in, in moments, great, but overall, energy levels down a bit. And the other, I, I do sometimes think we need to learn to play the game, not just, you know, our own game. And um, it's it's just a, it's a step on from what we've got now. I mean, 
it, it, it was bad, right? We had one in the past, we had one game plan, which was to play on the break. And if you don't get the space to play on the break, you're in trouble. And so we had all these poor results, draws and losses against teams we should typically beat, right? And then beat some of the, the big boys by by playing anti-football, basically, or something close to it. Um, now we've got a much more creative side that's on the front foot and pressing. And I wonder whether we've just swung a bit farther the wrong way sometimes and actually controlling the game um, and... Uh, it would be would be very useful. So, um, you know, we've had quite a few discussions about Bruno and his his uh, his penchant for finding absolutely sick passes, including the Megs set up for the second goal, which was just insane pass, um, and and um, loads of others. But he gave the ball away seventeen times last night. You know, gave the way in in the ball away in his own half more often than he gave the ball away playing passes into the opposition box. And I, I just think it's that kind of thing that made a difference against Palace. It's definitely going to make a difference against big teams. And it's it's you know just kind of control the game was really needed. I thought Pogba's performance was better in a way because he was trying to do that. He was trying to to be very disciplined and give United a platform. Anyway. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I thought of you when Bruno gave the ball away and they went up the other end and scored. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what he said would happen. Um, and of course, it was ruled out for a completely legitimate, very obvious, <laughs> easily visible offside. to the eye yeah. offside. Did it, actually, with that one, it's, uh, and I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but that one really did make a big difference which frame you took. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. One frame further back and one Bazaka who's playing, almost played him on is a bit further back because he's trying to block the ball. One frame further forward and it's very, very marginal. One frame beyond that and he's not offside. Yeah, ab- absolutely. The whole the whole thing is an absolute shambles and long may it continue to benefit us because we're one of the big teams and that's what the Premier League wants or something. Um the uh the the Bruno thing, I just think this was not it's I don't know if it was his worst game. There was one where he was really struggling and in this one I, I think this was as bad as it gets in terms of a Bruno Fernandez that you don't call an absolute a Bruno Fernandez game that you don't call a disaster class because he, he he made that brilliant assist and kind of redeemed himself. But, you know, he missed an absolute sitter. He was giving a ball away left and right. Like, Glenn Hoddle made him man of the match. And uh, that is one of the worst man of the match decisions I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> he was... It, you're right, Pogba was better than Bruno in that game. And, I mean, Rashford was clear of Bruno in that game. And uh, De Gea, a lot of, when I said... Uh, that the the correct man of the match was, of course, Dr. Marcus Rashford. Uh, most people agreed, but I got a couple of people saying, I thought it was De Gea, actually, saves kept us in it. And yep, De Gea had a good game. I tell you who was definitely not man of the match, and that's Bruno Fernandes, um, who, yeah, it was it was kind of a stinker, actually, for the most part, but with a couple of moments of brilliance. Well, and, and that's what he brings. So hit, yeah. hit the post with that shot that he should have scored with. You'd expect him to score with... Uh, and made some, what, two? He's involved in both goals. Um, not the assists, but uh, in the build-up. And uh, and he brings some brilliant moments. And, and uh, for the most part, even in his bad games, I, I don't know if this is a bad game, but even in his less effective games, the brilliant moments outweigh the poor moments. Yeah. For now. 
Um, but and, but and, I think he could add a string forever. to his bow, which is to to understand the the moment of the game. You know, the narrative that we're in in a particular moment of the game. When do we need control, and when do we need to create? And like at the risk of uh, bigging up um, our opponents, <laughs> or you know, uh, a rival. Um, Someone like David Silver does that brilliantly, right? When to control and when to go for the killer pass. Mm, um, yeah, and, and I think that's the kind of level that to um, to channel my inner Moyes that uh, Bruno should aspire to. But I think you're absolutely right. And, and I do love, I mean, Bruno has been an absolute, total and utter revelation. He's, oh, for sure. His signing is, yeah, I mean, he's, we've said this before and we'll say it again, no doubt, but this is the most transformative signing at United since Van Persie. And the, the I mean, one of the things that he has done absolutely incredibly is act as a catalyst. So it's it's this thing of you can, you can look at a player's performance in isolation a lot, but really the most incredible thing about Bruno's arrival is what it's done for everyone around him because... Oh God! Somebody was sharing this. I don't know if I said this on the show uh, earlier in the week, but somebody shared the Sevilla starting lineup, and Pogba, Martial, and Rashford were all on the bench. <laughs> Jose Mourinho is evil, anyway. Um, but Pogba, Martial, and Rashford have benefited so. I mean, just in absolute bucket loads from the arrival of Bruno, and of course he benefits from them too. But you know, that's that's been the most telling thing about it in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, sure. And, and then his numbers do, do stack up in terms of creative output. You know, Ooh. 13 goal um, involvement since his arrival, seven goals, less than half a season. You know, if he gets 15 goals from midfield in a Premier League season next season, that's that's outstanding for a, oh, for a yeah. central midfielder. And he probably will if he's if and- he's not injured. And he, and he seems to have a, a good engine. He's going to want to play most of the games. Yeah, he was he was shattered. He was absolutely shattered as well. So this is like Bruno exhausted. And I, I'm sure that with a player like that, one of the things that will go is decision-making because he'll go for the more automatic process to him more often, which will be try something ridiculous because that's just what he does. And I'm sure that is partially a function of tiredness as well. Although I'm not saying that's not how he plays the game generally. Of course it is. But I mean, that will be amped up even more because it's not like he doesn't make the odd simple sideways pass when it's the right option um we've seen that okay so that's bruno the the players that i really want to talk about in this game well we should say that timothy fosumenta was the uh, not uh, not one of the candidates that we talked about as a potential left back yeah i've really... almost forgotten three years since he last played for the club uh, he'd been on loan at palace and fulham both difficult yeah. loans i'd say you know yeah. transition um the periods of transition at both clubs relegation in the case of Fulham I think I'm right in saying yes 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 um so yeah it's been hard for for a talented player who we weren't sure would play fullback or or central defense or maybe central midfield um he's he's got a lot but he he clearly has stalled uh, in terms of his career and there's got to be a big question mark about whether he stays at the club this summer I kind of suspect he won't um but he did okay I mean in an attacking sense obviously it was he's not as comfortable on his left um at all, Brandon Williams is right-footed, but appears to be pretty comfortable on his left. Um, and Fosu Mensah found that bit difficult, always cutting inside, so it cut off one angle for a pass. But defensively, he did okay. He got skinned once very early in the game, didn't he? Um, by Andros yeah. Townsend. And uh, but then after that, yeah, and it's pretty bad getting skinned by Andros Townsend. But after that, I thought he did okay. 
Yeah, I agree. And it was it was just nice to see him because he's he's somebody who seems to be a very likable character and clearly has absolutely loved being associated with Man United. And, you know, that's that's something that um it, I mean, if he kicks on at United, that'd be lovely, but I I can't really see that happening. I mean he if he's gonna be able to put performances of a decent level, he'd be a decent squad player to have around. But surely if you're him, you're desperate to go somewhere and play. But anyway. Uh, I'd say that was the only surprise selection. Um, McTominay over Matic, I, I just think this was the wrong way round. I think it would have been better to play McTominay against Southampton and Matic against Palace, but there's much of a muchness. Um, I thought United, well, I say I thought, this has been widely acknowledged, I think. United actually looked much more fluent and coherent after Matic came on. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily, as a number of people would suggest, because Scott McTominay is not good. I think this is... Uh, about McTominay hasn't played a game so he played against Norwich he hasn't played with this team uh did he play against Spurs even I don't think he did so so he's hardly really played except in like second halves mostly after substitutes have come on so difficult to him to get straight up to the pace of the game and the team around him I thought yes and and I mean you're you're correct um United were more fluent after Matic came on and I'm sure he contributes to that. I mean, he does. You know, he's very good with the ball. They, he had some very Matic moments as uh, the Palace midfield sort of walked past him. Um, it's, I mean, look, it's you know what you get with Matic. I, I don't think there's any surprises when he's good. It's because he's got enough energy to get on the ball and pass it. That's it. He's not a defensive player. He might play in a defensive role, but he'll make a few interceptions because of the place... Um, his position on the pitch, his numbers look okay, uh, but he allows the opposition midfield to run past him all the time. It's a real problem. So it's, it's uh, a, a real, it's a real bingo card. Plus years, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in in games that United control or need to control, he he's an excellent head in there. And, and this week, I think um, who was it? It was uh, was it Pogba was or Bruno? I can't remember which now was was uh, bigging up uh, Matic's role. And so as a sort of experienced head, where to move, what positions to take up, uh, what to do when in the game. And and he obviously brings great value there. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's really important. And again, his role is, uh, uh, with all the understandable concerns acknowledged, uh, his role is to facilitate, isn't it? It's to allow the players, the other two midfield players, to really shine. Um so neither of them, and Pogba had a fine game, like a decent game. Um, when I say a decent game, what I mean is like Paul Pogba's base threshold is absolutely like astronomical. So like a decent game for Paul Pogba would be like the best game that most people had ever had in their lives, obviously. Um, but I want to talk about the the two forwards. So you mentioned Greenwood wasn't really in the game much. He had that one shot which he scuffed um, to the keep to like... I think he was going far post and he scuffed it inside, near post. Not inside, outside the near post. Uh, but Martial and Rashford were absolutely phenomenal in this game. And uh, both goals were scintillating. I said it again, like, that was not on, I wasn't doing a funny bit then. Like That was the word that my brain served up when I was looking for a word. So Rashford, I think, um, had, uh, there was one a few seconds before the goal where something could, not quite worked out for him and he was in a bit of a mood. Uh, the ball came to him. He just did so well to open the space up and pass it into the corner of the net. It was so 
there was so much awareness and skill and incision you know and our friend Anton Alfie did this lovely gift where um he had the moment where Marcus turned back facing the goal the the two defenders and the goalkeeper puff out of existence in the gif because Rashford just made them disappear and it was brilliant and yeah the goal kind of felt like that I mean ball through from Bruno he doesn't get the assist because it's bounced off the Palace players shins um (laughs) stats for you right that'll go down as a misplaced pass uh but obviously critical to opening up the defense and and you you think for a moment that Rashford has has blown it and run down the blind alley and then he sits Jordan I no not Jordan IU uh Patrick van Arnholt who got very unlucky later in the game uh, when he hit the tank that is uh, Anthony Martial um uh, sits him down on his bum and sends Absolutely. three the, the goalkeeper and two defenders the wrong way and it's it's uh, it's lovely brilliant and then, I mean, Dr. Rashford, this is, with this performance, you're really spoiling us for the second goal. What Marcus Rashford did in our own half on the left-hand side of the pitch by the touchline was very, very rude. But he was very rude to those Palace players. Yeah, yes, uh, I'm sure you've seen the clip of Rio Ferdinand watching that. It's, uh, no, I haven't. Oh, uh, I wish I yeah, had. I, I did, you know, there are... Um, Mixed opinions on Rio Ferdinand, of course, because, uh, I mean, his time at United was he's hugely successful. He's a fantastic player for United and he's he's a fan, clearly. Um, but his brand of uh, South London flash doesn't always go down well uh, with um, the Manchester United fans for, you know, understandable reasons. And uh, um, with some absolutely uh, parochial, close-minded Manchester United fans, got, got yes. it. You don't need to. Yeah, yeah context <laughs> is built into that. <laughs> but um, but but anyway, you know, I um, I enjoy the moments where he's being a fan because uh, you know you follow along with him. Anyway, it, absolutely sick. It was um, the build-up, Rashford's skill, uh, the megged pass uh, from Bruno, um, the. The instant one-touch pass into Martial and the finish. Amazing. <laughs> I was just laughing watching it. Just like, why are all our goals so sick now? Like, we, we, worldies only, but not the kind of worldies only because we have to score from 40 yards or we won't score. Um, like, just every goal is a classic. That compilation that's been doing the rounds of United's goals since lockdown... Well, no, it was before since before lockdown, wasn't it? It was since since Tranmere. There's so many absolutely brilliant goals, and Martial and Rashford's numbers now are phenomenal. They are both having absolutely phenomenal Premier League seasons, and they missed a third of the season each. I mean, it's it's incredible. Oh, oh no, for sure, Ab- absolutely, and uh, I think um, yeah phenomenal seasons uh the play between them is great uh, the pundits are having to admit uh grudgingly i have to say just how good united are to watch right now and we and we, again we said it last time out because we've uh we've wondered a lot whether uh, allowed whether Solskjaer is up to this job and i, I think yeah. there's another level he's going to have to take this team to kind of prove that he can build a, a winning team apart from the class era uh, but he he is built with these players. Admittedly, it is basically eleven players deep. 
our bench right now. Yeah. Um, but he's built a phenomenally good-looking side. Yeah. Now, a yes, couple of are, additions, bit of strength in the forward line, strength in depth, because we, you know, Mason's a young kid, didn't have a good game last night, can't go too much after that. I think, I'm going to keep saying it, just because, not because I have any expertise, just because I think it, I think a real world-class uh, defensive midfielder would add a lot, and a left-back, an attacking left-back. And you've got the basis of a team that can challenge for the title. Now, you need depth beyond that. So the names on our bench look good, but the actual performances from those some of those players is not. Um, and, you know, I think you could probably quite easily lose... Jones and Smalling, obviously. Rojo, <laughs> obviously. If you forget, he lives. Yeah, well, he's, he's, I know I said I know I say this every time, but Rocco's only on loan. He's, he's still, only on loan know, next uh, year. Wow. We still own him. Um, and Lingard, who came on last night, and actually, actually, his ability to run from midfield and carry the ball forward was was important last night. Um, he didn't have a, you know, he came on half an hour and um, they just wanted a bit of energy in that in that part of the pitch. And I think uh, he's got that, but you could lose him as well. That's that's five sales if you know can find buyers. There's possibly others. I mean, Romero could probably go as well with Henderson's situation unclear, um, and that would fund enough to bring in three really class, high class players. That make a big difference to United's push. I think. Yeah, I wanted to say, actually, I'm glad you mentioned Lingard because I thought Solskjaer got his substitutions absolutely spot on. Well, he only made the two last night as well. He he read the game, right? Because five could have shifted the balance in favour of Palace like it did against Southampton. Exactly. My friend that I was watching the game with um, said, I really hope he doesn't take off Bruno and Pogba here because we need them on the pitch. And I thought it was, especially with Chelsea on Sunday, I thought it was brave. I thought it was... I thought it was per- exactly perfect. I thought, and and I thought bringing Lingard on for Greenwood, which is obviously a, an on the ball massive quality job. I thought it was exactly the right move as well because I thought, sure. like like you said, that energy made a big difference, and and Matic from McTominay made a big difference. So, yeah, just absolutely. Given you know we've had plenty of pops at Solskjaer, I thought the game management was perfect last night. It was it was really nice to see. Um, Yes, I mean, in the press conference before the game, Solskjaer was asked about the balance between today's game and Sunday's game. And uh, he he lied and said, I'm not thinking about Sunday at all. I mean, it's absolute. It's I don't know why he felt the need to give that answer. It's obvious that he had an 11 for tonight or Thursday. What day is it? It's Friday now. I completely lose the calendar now. Um, And 11 for Sunday in mind. 100% 100% he has that, and probably for West Ham and Leicester as well. Um, depending on what happens in that Chelsea game, how many minutes everyone has to play, the nature of the game and so on, that will dictate yeah. the West Ham side. We know the side for Leicester, 10 of them at least. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's definitely going to plan out, and for some reason he lied about it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Ramble. Well, he up. did say, he did say, we've hardly been dealt four races here, so we're just going to have to put a poker face on. So he wasn't lying, he was bluffing. Yes, fair enough. Yes, <laughs> bluffing. I don't know why he needed to, but anyway, um, he's, 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 trying, he's trying to manage what is, in terms of depth of squad, it's a big squad, but in terms of real depth, quite thin. Um, and he's walking a really tight line at the moment. 
uh, I think with the amount of minutes uh, and the amount of game time players uh, are getting. And Pogba and Bruno played the full 90 last night. Fifth game in 17 days. I'd say neither is going to start against Chelsea, probably. Uh, absolutely. Um, in fact, it could be like as many as uh, eight changes against Chelsea as a result. So he's, he's trying think- to manage it and it's it could all blow up in his face. So. Oh, well, it could all, listen, listen, it could all blow up in our face, but these are the moments we live for. They'll still be talking about this goal in 10 years. That's, it could have, of course it could all blow up in our face, but that's, but we'll still be talking about Marcus Rashford's skill on the left wing in 10 years. That was a reference to um, Fergie's. That came from a piece you were saying, how how good uh, Rashford and Martial have been this season. Both got 17 goals in the Premier League, more overall. That's the same amount as Raheem Sterling... Sergio Aguero, it's more than Harry Kane's got, same amount that Sadio Mane has got, same amount that Raul Jimenez has got, uh, and uh, a couple less than Mo Salah. So just, and, just, just, just to say, you know, people said there was no output. They, they doubted whether these two could provide the goals for United. They've both been injured, uh, you know, at points this season, uh, and their, their numbers are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so we beat Palace. It was an absolutely crucial result. We probably sacrificed the FA Cup as a result of that, but uh, in the end, we sort of had to once once Southampton equalised. Let's take a little break, talk about a bit of newsy stuff, and then move on to a little preview of the Chelsea game. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQATPod on Instagram, Ed's at NQATPod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. So, Ed, before we get to the Chelsea game, I mean, we briefly touched upon the fact that United are, in fact, going to have to finish fourth to get Champions League football. I mean, there is an absolute nightmare scenario where the team that finishes fourth, if we finish fourth, Wolves win the Europa League and City win the European Cup, we're not in the Champions League next season. So that would be very unfortunate, but I don't think that's all that likely to happen, although it is is technically possible, of course. There's a number of outcomes, but... Um, one thing we know for sure is that fifth place in the Premier League is not going to get into the Champions League Correct. because of the uh, the cast ruling. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the last uh, pod. Um, in fact, we don't have that much more information than we would have had then because the full uh, adjudication hasn't come out. So um, we've, got, we've all read the press release from CAS and the summary judgment. Um, yeah, we've all read the summary judgment, Ed, that's right. All of us, all definitely, both of us have definitely read that. So uh, just remind me, what did you think it said? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it'll come out, it'll come out in good time. There's, it's, 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 I, I'm going to guess it's going to be like 30, 40 pages long. The, uh, the adjudication on uh, standing, uh, oh, it's a great read, by the way, uh, that was um, released before was some couple of weeks after the, the, the sort of... Um, the judgment came out last time out. So, um, which is, by the way, I, I'm going to get to this bit, but you should read it just for a laugh. There's um, Manchester City tried to get this case thrown out uh, because they said uh, UEFA didn't have the right to um, use their image rights, right? They called it something else, uh, a legalese term. But basically, you can't, you don't have the right to use the name Manchester City. Therefore, you can't kick us out of your tournament, was their argument. (laughs) 
And it's absolutely amazing. Anyway, <laughs> so basically what Cass said, uh, we don't know the detail behind it, but I can talk about some assumptions. They said that Manchester City breached Article 56, which is around the rights and responsibilities of clubs, uh, licensees, um, uh, in the Champions League to comply with uh, FFP regulations, right? Which basically says, you will cooperate with our investigation. You will hand over all documents, those we ask for um, and those that you are um, bound to give us in, in terms of um, uh, enacting FFP, right? FFP is a series of regulations that says governs, it's like the framework that governs um, the financial propriety, probity of clubs who take part in UEFA tournaments, right? So it's rules of the competition, like you can't handball, right? Like you can't financially dope. And if you are going to financially dope, you can't hide it. Um, and we can only find out if you're hiding it uh, if you turn over all your documents and let us see stuff. So this is, this is the two charges that UEFA made, basically. One is you've breached financial fair play regulations by, um, as they call it, using equity and hiding it as sponsorship. So the owners effectively putting in money through third-party sponsors um, and uh, so injecting equity uh, and, uh, and then pretending it's sponsorship. Which is what all the documents that came out through Football Leaks basically said, right? And then the second charge UEFA um, made was that uh, Manchester City didn't turn over all the documents that they should have done. Now, Cass basically agreed with both of those things, um, but changed the punishment. So the ruling is two parts. It said, yes, you've breached financial fair play regulations. No, you did not cooperate fully um, as you should have done um, with the the rules as they are uh, and and the really interesting thing is what I think it kind of shows right and so Cass then said your punishment isn't 30 million euros plus a two-year ban it's 10 million euros and that's it uh, and wasn't we'll find there, out why soon wasn't there some aspect to it which was that some of it was outside of the scope of the inquiry now because it was so long ago yes so that was part within of... you so that was that appeared i mean it's one line within the press release that appears to hint at that time bound right. Right. um so the time bound bit is five five years is basically the statute of limitations it's not what they call it in uefa regulations but you know um uh, and some of this was in 2014, 2014, 2016. So some of it is outside the scope. Not all of it is. And uh, it's kind of hinted at in the press release that some of it isn't. So uh, and um, and that is both with um, com- well, no, that's only on the FFP part. It isn't on the compliance part. That's important. Right. Um, so so basically, Cass has agreed with UEFA's judgment and disagreed with the um, the punishment now. Why is that, right? So Manchester City pushed back in the in the um, in the interim um, sort of standing case on not not just the idea of using their brand, but also on leaks from the, uh, the inquiry, right? So specifically to the New York Times and others, and basically said, "Look, those guys aren't fair. It's clear they're not fair. They're trying to punish us in the court of public opinion, and they've been leaking information that can only have come from them." Um, and therefore, um, this is not a fair process. That was their mm. pushback. Cass only partially agreed with that in the interim judgment, in, in which say they was like, "This is seriously concerning, um, but we don't think it 
clouds the case. Right? <clears throat> this time out, it appears that what has happened is none of that has, I, I don't think, had an impact. I don't think. Uh, but the time-bound bit has definitely had an impact on, on which bits can be punished and which bits could not. We don't know if the source of the information has been rejected or not. It's not. There's nothing in the press release that says that. So the fact that this was hacked um, by a guy who's now being prosecuted uh, in Portugal, and that's how you've got the information. We don't know whether that's, um, that's had an impact or not. Um, the, one of the other really interesting implications on this one is were you for right even to prosecute this as an FFP case? Because really this is a compliance case. Right? If they just said, hey, Manchester City, you have signed up to these rules. You've made a contract with us as a licensee of our competition to give us all the information. You clearly didn't. We found this out. Yes, it may be, you know, it's public sphere now. Um you didn't do that. Here's our punishment. Instead of trying to prosecute that as, you know, you've you've failed to comply with Article 56, Clause B, point whatever, mm. um, and we're going to punish you under FFP. Because now the implication is really serious because now you basically have what it looks like a Supreme Court case, right, which then is now the law of the land, which is if you want to not comply with financial fair play regulations just don't give access to the auditors to all the information and And the punishment in the worst possible cases second time offense for manchester city by the way right yeah so the punishment in the worst possible case is a 10 million euro fine as the richest club in european football right if you're less rich it's going to be less than 10 million euros i mean to all intents and purposes ffp is dead even if uefa came out and said no it's not yeah and this is why, like, um, the, the I mean, I, uh, so much of United fan reaction that I saw was about fifth place or not. So much of City fan reaction I saw was a kind of gloating. And you just think, what, why are football fans like this? Like, this is not about fifth place being available for United to chase down. This is not about some sort of victory for Man City as a sort of tribal entity. It's it's really worrying stuff, and we'll we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But talking of seeing how it all plays out, um, that's uh, that's your ten minutes of admin out of the way. Uh, let's talk about Chelsea versus Manchester United in the semi final. You got something you want to say yeah. before that? Well, no, no. I just thought we could uh, we could talk about the um, the women's team because I mean, you know, you ignore them all the time, Paul, and it's uh, it's kind of a bit embarrassing as. Uh, as a you know liberal-minded fella, that you just never think about our women's team. Poor, poor showing. I'm saying this because I completely forgot to talk about it and couldn't remember the names of who we've signed. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he threw me under the bus, ladies and gentlemen. Under the bus, he threw me, and and I made such an effort not to throw him under the bus earlier as well that no one will ever hear. Anyway, here we go. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so look, since we last talked about the women's team, I, of course, the um, the women's super league was cancelled early. Uh, the men get to play, but the women don't because um, it doesn't generate enough money to justify all the testing, I guess. Um, so the the, the league was cancelled early. Chelsea were uh, crowned champions without the uh, the season completing. But anyway, there's been some movement. United, United finished fourth in their first. Uh, so behind Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester City. So the best of the rest, which I think was a fantastic performance in the first season back in the Women's Super League, only the second season of uh, of this club, basically. Um, and they're trying to move on from here. So some news uh, since we last um, 
spoke about it. Lucy Staniforth, uh, the midfielder, uh, signed a new contract. Um, Jess Sigsworth um, signed a new contract. So, in fact, Lucy Staniforth was a new signing. Sorry. Um, Jess Sigsworth signed a new contract, the striker. Um, Martha Harris, uh, the right back, signed a new contract as well. Uh, Siobhan Chamberlain, the goalkeeper, who had one season in the, the championship and then didn't play this season uh, because she had a baby, uh, has been released. Um, and then two two very exciting signings yes. um, uh, beyond Sanaforth. Uh, Ivana Fusso, uh, who's um, the Germany under-19. Um, I've never seen her play, I'm sure. There's nobody who's listening who's seen her play unless you watch a lot of youth football. Um, has signed uh, for United supposedly extremely talented um young player um and then what kind any idea any idea like what position or anything uh and then uh honor batil i think is um spanish international fullback signed for united that double l threw me because, uh, but I think everyone's going to call battle. that on a battle, a, which is a bond proper, name, isn't it? <laughs> proper good surname. <laughs> so, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Siobhan Chamberlain, a lovely statement from Casey Stoney, who had played with Siobhan Chamberlain as teammates, of course, thanking her. And I think, I think you can see from like the player social media and stuff that Siobhan Chamberlain was someone who definitely had a a real serious leadership role in that team as they got promoted and was someone that the rest of the like very mostly very very young squad clearly really looked up to so yeah uh, i think uh, everyone everyone that as united women kind of like if they if they do go on to what we kind of think and stop being the best of the rest and become one of you know the top uh, a kind of distinct top 4 in the women's super league i think everyone will remember that Siobhan Chamberlain had that's, a, a that's big right, role yeah. to play um, in that you know Legendary keeper, uh, England former England international, and um, you know played a played a big role. Um, United also appointed a new assistant coach, Martin Ho, who would who was working with the under twenty ones, um, and he replaces Glenn Harris, who retired. So lots of changes and you know movement forward. I know a lot of people who uh, watch the women's side more closely than us are very excited about the signings uh, and United's prospects for trying to break into that top three. Brilliant. Okay, so FA Cup semi-final, Chelsea. Uh, I'm scared, but also I mean, Chelsea are in a really weird place. Like early in lockdown, they they were apart from us, probably the team that was was playing best. But they are sort of really they've really struggled a little bit. Although their results have, I mean, they've obviously not been terrible, and they've held on to third place um, partly because we've kind of blown our chances to to overtake them yeah. after they lost to Sheffield at United. But their 1-0 victory over Norwich, I don't know how much you saw of that game. Two days before our game, they looked so leggy and just just really laboured. And you wouldn't have expected them to really struggle to beat Norwich, who had already been... No, like created a lot of chances. Yeah. I mean, a lot of shots in that game. But um, yes, it, this is... Um... And we talked about how good Chelsea could be next season, given their signings, Timo Werner um, and potentially Kai Havertz, um, Pulisic growing. Uh, who else did they signed? Someone, oh, Ziyech from, um, from Ajax. So, you know, they, they look like they're going forward, but at the moment they're pretty inconsistent. So the defeat to West Ham was pretty funny, even if it might have saved David Moyes. Um, they, were, they were pretty average against Palace and they got 
properly battered by Sheffield United, um, who are having a mixed bag of results themselves. So, yeah, definitely an inconsistent. I mean, they beat Manchester City, of course. Um, I mean, comprehensively beat Manchester City to hand um, Liverpool the title. Uh, and so you don't know which Chelsea you're going to get. I think they're a good side. You know, they they play good football. They try and play on the front foot. When we smash them at, right at the beginning of this season, it was classic counterpunch uh, performance from United. Um, but I don't know which Chelsea's going to turn up. I also don't know which uh, side um, Lampard is going to pick because he seems unsettled on what his back four looks like. He's played players in a variety of positions. He doesn't seem to trust the you know, central defenders, any of them. I'd say he's got more confidence in his attacking unit. Uh, he's he's missing Angola Kante, or has been missing Angola Kante, which is a you know, a big miss. Uh, he's he, he he played Tammy Abraham the other day. He just looked uh, against Sheffield United. Looked pretty rusty. Uh, Giroud has come on and scored crucial goals. Doesn't seem to trust him either. So it's yeah, it's it's kind of mixed bag from Chelsea. They're obviously a good side, but not always. Yeah, I don't pay close enough attention to them to have any sense of what he's likely to pick in this game. It's worth saying they haven't played since Tuesday. They we both both United and Chelsea's next game is on Wednesday. So there's a sort of they have the same amount of rest afterwards. So essentially, Lampard can treat this game without any kind of need for rotation or concern about fitness and no i know ollie called that unfair which i think it completely is yeah the the fact that in this period when everyone's playing a lot of games someone gets 20 48 hours extra rest it's it's a massive advantage yeah absolutely so no sense really of what they're gonna do um i guess the the key question then in terms of a, a preview would be i mean i think if it was our full strength side I mean, even with one or two, you know, with like, with say, say, Fosu Mensah's playing at left back again, or, you know, McTominay's in for Matic or whatever. There's, it's not, I don't mean necessarily the absolute peak starting level, but if it's our front five, I really like our chances in this game in a kind of um, punch and counter punch, like, you know, the fight between Rocky and Apollo, like that, that kind of thing is, <clears throat> is that. I think would favour us in a way if it, if it's like right well let's just both have a massive go at each other and see whose good players are better. I think our good players are better than them right now, um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be Delo and Igalo and and maybe Mata and maybe even Pereira and I, you know I think we are really going to see the FA. If it's that much, we're in big trouble. But, but it, it could well be. But yeah, yeah I mean I think. Well, no, I think I think it's more likely to be. So, who who do we think is definitely going to start? Romero will definitely yeah. start. Um, this, I don't know if Wan Bissaka needs a rest. Uh, maybe Dallo comes into it. I guess Fosu Mensah has not played a lot of football. He he's he could be available. It depends on Brandon Williams' cut on his eye. I mean, it seems like there's no con- concussion there, so he could come into it. Um, Eric Bailly probably probably plays. With one of Maguire and Lindelof, I don't think he changes both that, of those. That Maguire concussion test looked absolutely terrifying. He looked complete. I mean, listen, I'm not saying this is not a medical assessment. Yes, talking Rocky, it, he looked like he'd been given a, a yeah, you know, solid uppercut. He looked there, didn't so he? out of it, and and the physio was like, "Yeah, no, he seems fine." And I was like, 
I mean, you see, I'm sure you know what you're doing and you're qualified and trained and all that. But to me, this man looks like he's about to fall over. Um, anyway, uh, but so, yeah, I wouldn't. I wonder if we'll see Maguire and Baye, because I'm not sure Solskjaer's going to want to go into that with, with Lindelof and Baye. I think we will definitely see McTominay and Fred. Like, I think that, that yeah, so is for they sure. They both definitely play. Yeah, yeah so they're the, they're the double pivot in midfield. And then the question is, who plays further forward I wouldn't be surprised so Dan James I, I suspect comes into it Igalo could come into it Matt is available James Igalo Fernandez, and Matic could play as well you know because yeah. he didn't he was given a rest specifically I suspect for for Chelsea in mind so it could be Fred McTominay and Matic yeah. I mean it's a bit ponderous as a midfield but it could well be a solid base there yeah no I think you might be right but if it is Matic, McTominay, Fred, James, Igalo, A and other probably have to be Mata unless you pick one of the front three to play. Maybe play James on the right and play Rashford on the left. But then, I mean, that's I, that's just an absolute recipe for disaster, really. Um, so I, I can't say I'm optimistic going into this game just because I think I think it is I think it genuinely is unfair and it's not the end of the world or anything. But it would have been really nice for us to be in a position. And of course, you know. If we'd played better against Southampton and hadn't conceded, then we'd now be in a position to would have been in a position to rotate more heavily against Palace. And so it's not like just the whims of fate; it's also our own behaviour that has led to this. But ultimately, for, for sure. Ult- and and now we're relying on Leicester dropping some points. Otherwise, on the final day, they can go for a go for a draw against us, right? So I mean, let's play Tottenham next. I mean, uh, okay, so Chelsea play Liverpool and Wolves. They could well drop points there, but who knows? Liverpool are on the beach already, given <laughs> looking at their results at the moment, um, and and we probably need Tottenham to get a point against Leicester. Otherwise, we're going to Leicester having to win, yeah. unless they can go into that game knowing they can draw. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, I interjected with a, a completely different point that you were making, <laughs> which is. You know, it's our own fault that we now have to rotate and had to play a full side against Palace. Yeah, uh, no, no, that's that, that. Thank you, thank you for uh, reiterating. That was that was the point very much that I was making. And and so I think we're not. I think we are substantially second favourites in this game based on what the relative starting 11s will be. Basically, um, it might be that Solskjaer gets the Fergie call. It's like, listen, don't worry, it might all blow up in your face, son, but they'll remember this for years. And it is a shame that the FA Cup is so secondary in everyone's mind and it would be nice if it wasn't, but I kind of think so. I'm going to predict that United do not qualify, do not get through to the final of the FA Cup. And I I hate to do it, but that's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting a, a, a disappointing starting eleven and a disappointing result, a sort of 2-1 Win to Chelsea. How, how can you do that? Full time devils may have changed their name. You should you should take up part time devils. How how can a proper red like? No way. No, I'm, United going to win this game. I don't know how, but we managed to beat them at Stamford Bridge with uh, Fred and Matic in midfield uh, in one of Bruno's first games as a Manchester United player and Daniel James and Martial up front. So and Luke Shaw in the back three. So, you know, strange things happen. I wonder if he might do something like that because he hasn't done that at all in the... in the. don't know if we've got enough defenders. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, because he'd have to play literally all our centre-backs, um, I guess. So, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we won't see that. And then that'd be Fosu Mensah at left wing back, which I'm not sure. That's I'm not sure that's what we really want to be doing. Yeah, I mean, look, again, depends on Williams's. He, he played left wing back that night. Uh, and 
maybe if he's fit, that cut isn't too bad. He, he's not in danger. There's no concussion. Then he could play. Maybe so. We shall see. Um, the only other little, one little tiny point of order, which we do not need to have a big conversation on, just um, people won't have seen this on social media. We briefly talked about it in the backers chat, but after in the last podcast, we completely forgot to talk about the Romeo challenge on Greenwood and how it was a definite red card. We both thought it was a definite red card and VAR is silly. Um, so, and, he, and he got clattered a whole bunch uh, against Paris as yeah. well. So young attacking player and uh, the opposition appears to be targeting him. Yeah, and you would, wouldn't you? Because you think, well, if he gets the ball with, with his ankles intact, we're in big trouble. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back uh, probably on Monday with a pod I think yeah, so, yeah record after the Chelsea Chelsea kicks off at 6 o'clock I believe on Sunday yeah, night that's annoying for a whole bunch of reasons but anyway alright thanks everyone we love you and uh, we'll be back on Monday alright see you then have a good weekend 